Pastor Xavier Reese offers the hope of a life born again. Peter is saying that the believer is not simply existing in this life. He is living literally the way God intended him to as a result of that birth. You see, prior to our coming to Christ, I mean, I thought I was living. I'm sure you thought you were living, and maybe you're not born again this morning, and you think you're living. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're existing, and it's just a matter of time before your existence is over. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. A raise or promotion at work, a good grade on an exam, maybe just the arrival of the holiday season. It's only natural to rejoice when the good times roll. But is there any reason to rejoice when things aren't going our way, or even during times of suffering? Well, it just so happens that Peter, in his first epistle, gives plenty of reason for hope in hardship. And that comfort is what Pastor Xavier will be drawing out in today's Simple Truth Study. He begins now with our text found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5. through 5. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The Bible is a very unique book in many ways, but one of the chief characteristics that permeates the pages of the Scriptures is the mutual care, concern, and comfort that we are to have for one another. It is one of the chief characteristics that distinguishes us from social corporations, from organizations of the world. Jesus said, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. The very parable of the Good Samaritan put... God's people at that time, Israel, to shame because that good Samaritan was a Samaritan, a Gentile, worse yet to the mind of the Jew, a half-breed. He took time, he took money, he took care. It cost him. Peter is writing to believers that are scattered throughout Asia Minor. And they are under severe persecution under Nero. And Peter, as he writes, communicates care, concern, and comfort. In fact, Peter is obeying the very words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that he spoke to him in Luke 22, 31 through 32. Listen to what he says. Simon, Simon. Indeed, Satan has asked for you, that he may sift you out as wheat, but I have prayed for you, that your faith should not fail, and when you have returned to me, remember he denied the Lord three times. Jesus was speaking prophetically. Here's the bottom line, strengthen your brethren. This is exactly what Peter is doing. Peter knew what it was to be afraid. 
Peter knew what it was to fail. Peter knew what it was to be persecuted for his faith. But on the other side, Peter also knew the grace of God, the strength of the Spirit, the comfort of God, the peace of God. And so here we have Peter being obedient. Years afterwards, I'm sure these words still ringing in his heart. Peter, when you return to me, strengthen your brother. Peter knows the nature of man. The nature of man is to murmur and complain. Even to blame God for the things he is going through and the things that he is affected by. Just study Israel in the wilderness. Study the rest of the scriptures of God's people. I am amazed how often we forget and how quick we forget the goodness of God, the blessings of God, the provisions of God, and how long-lasting are the memories of the negative things of life. And somehow we end up blaming God for so many things that He has never done or has never been involved in. People are constantly blaming God for things. Job said woman to his wife when she said, why don't you just curse God and die? He says, you foolish woman, who am I that I can receive good at the hand of God and not evil? Hmm. Heavy statement. <laughs> Peter, knowing man's nature, knowing that they're suffering, he provides for them in verse 3 through 5 three reasons for speaking well of God in the midst of suffering. First, he says, God has begotten us again to a living hope. Verse 3. Secondly, God has begotten us again to an inheritance. Verse 4. Thirdly, God has begotten us again for salvation. Verse 5. The first reason we should speak well of God, literally praise Him, is because God has begotten us to a living hope. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The word blessed is the word to praise, to speak well of. It comes from two Greek words. One is uh, well and the other one is to speak. You put them together, it means to speak well. We get our word eulogy from it. When you eulogize somebody, you speak well of him or about him. And usually it's in the context of a funeral. How good of a person they were and, and what they did. And you speak all these good things about them. Though I am often amazed how people live like hell and then they want to die like saints. They want to be eulogized. Their family wants to pass them off as something they're not. You know, man is good for this. It's amazing. We, we, we try to add on. We try to fabricate. We try to do so much. And yet, Peter says here, we are to speak well. We are to praise God. If there's anyone we cannot go overboard on, I think you would agree with me, it would be God. <laughs> now he says that we are to speak well of him because he has begotten us to a living hope. What is meant by begotten? Peter refers to their spiritual birth. 
Each of us was each of us were born of the flesh. Our fathers and mothers married. A child was conceived. Nine months later, you came out speaking lies from the womb. That's what the proverb says. And all the time we thought they were crying. We just couldn't understand them. It only took time to formalize what they were saying. And yet that birth cannot qualify me for the entrance into the kingdom of God. Peter is talking to a very unique people here, those who had been begotten. The word is used twice in this epistle, once here and the other one in verse 23. He says, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. It is synonymous with the word born again, born from above. John 3.3, Jesus says, you must be born from above, Nicodemus. It is a second birth, that which is spiritual, that which brings us into the understanding and the illumination of God, His existence, His presence, His care, His providence, His power, His control over my life. Now this is good news when you're suffering. This is good news when you're, you're in despair. Now if Peter would have been a psychologist, he would have said, now... Tell me about your mother. Let's go back in the past. Peter brings them back to the Word of God. Today, God's people are being seduced because we're being seduced into believing in formulas. I mean, why pray and get an answer from God when you can call up one of the radio stations and have a person give you the answer? Why depend on God's power to transform you when you can buy this book and find five easy steps how to communicate to your mate? Interesting. What is meant by living hope? Peter is saying that the believer is not simply existing in this life. He was before, but now he isn't. He is living literally. He, ex he is experiencing life the way God intended him to as a result of that birth. You see, prior to our coming to Christ, I mean, I thought I was living... I'm sure you thought you were living, and maybe you're not born again this morning, and you think you're living, but if you don't know Jesus Christ, you're existing, and it's just a matter of time before your existence is over. See, only the Christian is living. He says, a living hope. You see, the believer is the only one that has true hope of the future. Because I am begotten to a living hope, I'm not only living presently in everyday experience life, but I'm also living towards the future. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, what are you looking forward to in the future? Retirement? Then you can travel the world, kick back, go fishing, and then five years later die? You see, our living hope is far beyond just this life. Our living hope is that hope to be with Jesus. There's a vast difference. Now, how did God beget us unto this living hope? He gives us two things. First, according to His abundant mercy. Not in proportion to, but by His mercy. And not only just mercy, He says abundant mercy. Mercy is less than I deserve. You get a ticket going 75 and a 55. You go to court and the judge says, do you know the penalty for this is 
a month suspension of your license and a hundred dollar fine? Yes, sir. Okay. I suspend your license for two days and I charge you ten dollars. That's mercy. Less than you deserve. The full account is law. Grace would be, forget it. See you later. <laughs> now we know we're saved by grace through faith and then out of ourselves, but here Peter centers on his mercies. You know why? Because the word mercy throughout Scripture is always identified with the compassion towards the people who have need of help and strength. Jesus said, and he had compassion upon the people. The word is equivalent, mercy. You see, we serve a merciful God. A God who knows our situations, who knows our weaknesses, who knows our frailties, who knows our sufferings. What better reminder when you're going through sufferings? Peter hits it right on the head. He didn't sit there wallowing in their misery. He brings them back to reality. But not only is mercy, but through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The word from is the word in the Greek ek. It means out from within. He didn't just raise them, but he took them out from death itself. This is the very same power, the very same power that resurrected Christ by the very same power God has begotten us to a living hope. Now, if God did raise Jesus Christ, and I believe he did, then it is by the very same power that he raised Christ that he begot me to a living hope. And if he begot me, he begot me to live in hope. <laughs> not in depression, not in discouragement, not in despondency, but in hope. Not to have my eyes fixed on the circumstance or situation. It would be equivalent to someone who would take a child out of extreme poverty and would take him and give him all the benefits of education, of wealth, of, of just everything. And then throughout that period of education and growing up and opportunities, there would be some difficulties that would be encountered. It would be unfair for that child to turn around and say, well, it's your fault that I'm, I have these difficulties. That would never enter the mind of that child. The only thing that would be in the mind of that child as he was growing up is saying, all that I have and all that I've accomplished and all that has come to me is because of him. And all I can do is speak well of him and praise him. How much more us? God alone begot us through his word and his spirit. Being a child of darkness and a child of wrath, as Ephesians 2, 2 says, God gave me authority or power to become a child of God. Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 12 and 13. You see, I was in darkness. I was dead and trespassed in sins, but now I'm alive. I was in the first Adam, but now I'm in the last Adam, Jesus Christ. And make sure it's the last, not the second, because then you would have room for a third, fourth, fifth. It's the last Adam. And this morning you sit either in the first Adam who was condemned or in the last Adam who was justified. You can stand no other place. God alone has given me living hope, which is based not on myself, 
not on the world system, but on what he has done and what he has promised. The hope of this world is very grim. The scriptures tell me that I was without hope, without God, listen, in the world. You want to talk about a depressing definition of man. Without hope, without God, in the world. That is the picture of people who do not know Jesus Christ. This morning you might be lacking in hope for your marriage. Maybe you're going through difficulties with your mate. Maybe one of you wants to call it quits. Maybe one of you has been unfaithful. Or maybe you're thinking about being unfaithful. and You're being pulled. I guarantee you, you will always trace it back to your drawing away from the Word of God. The people of God. And yielding to the Spirit of God. And you've gotten your eyes on the situation. The circumstance. And you can see no clear hope. That hope that God wants to make you into His vessel of honor. All you can see is what's before you, whether it be positive in your conclusion or whether it be negative. Hope for your children. You have rebellious children. You have a youth who's upsetting the home. You have a youth who is self-willed. Then your best hope is in Christ Jesus, in His Word, in the power of His Spirit. God doesn't want you to sit and wallow in it. God doesn't want you to get so bummed out and depressed about it. He wants you to turn to his word. Remember, Peter is talking to people who are suffering. God alone is sufficient for such a life based on his mercies and the power of the spirit. The power that raised up Jesus. And God is very merciful to me in my life. His mercies are great. They're tender. They're new every morning. He always knows what I need. He knows how much I can take. Thank God he does. And if his power raised up Christ, how much more will he raise me up? That's my hope. Now Paul tells the Corinthians, if we, speaking about the Christian, have hope only in this life, we are, of all men, most miserable. But our hope is not only in this life, but it also points to the future. And it's based on God's power that raised up Jesus Christ. Not our own abilities, but God's power. Now, in view of this, Peter says, Speak well of God. Praise Him. Eulogize Him. Why? Because he has begotten us to a living hope. Peter moves on. He says that God is to be spoken of well and praised. Because he has begotten us again to an inheritance. Verse 4. That inheritance is incorruptible, undefiled, and does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. What is the kind of inheritance that he's speaking about? A very special kind. 
Now, when you think of an inheritance, you usually think of something that you obtain from a family member or a very close friend that is left to you after his death. Most inheritance are obtained after death, though there are exceptions. But for the most part, that is usually the case. The author to the book of Hebrews picks this up in chapter 9 and speaks about the inheritance that Christ has bequeathed to us because and through his death. Now, when we think of inheritance, we think of all this monetary gain and we think of it, well, this guy had two houses, three cars, and a million dollars in the bank. And uh, we got to split it up between six of us. Well, that'll be, you know, we start figuring it out. It is amazing how, how inheritance and money really bring out the true color in people, even among Christians. When it comes to dividing material gain. Peter does not fix their eyes or attention upon earthly inheritance. Because Peter well knew that anything that's tangible is losable. <laughs> anything that can be given to you can be taken. Anything that you can work for can equally be taken. And so he centers on that which is spiritual, that which has no relationship to this world. He says incorruptible. It means imperishable, undecaying. Everything you will ever obtain in this life when your parents die or if they've died, they left you something. Whatever they left you, it will perish. It is perishing. Slowly but surely. The minute they build a new house, they pound the first nail in, that house begins to decompose. Nothing stands still. Undefiled means without flaw or defect. Now everything you get, you know, your Uncle Joe leaves you a, a Mercedes and you go pick it up and there's a big old scrape right down the driver's side, all the way down. Flaw. You go pick up your brand new baby from the hospital. He's got a birthmark. He's got one toenail missing. Flaws. Not the inheritance that Peter's talking about. No flaws in it. Perfect. And then he says unfading. This means without end or eternal. It never ends. It is of the same quality as the life that he has given to you and myself. Eternal. Now, it's interesting, most people keep the substance of inheritance in banks, in realty, in bonds, stocks, or whatever it may be. But the inheritance of the believer, where is it kept? He tells us that it is reserved in heaven for you. The word reserve means to guard or to protect. Notice that it is God who is guarding your inheritance, not you. God is guarding it. Jesus said, lay up to yourselves treasures in heaven where dust or moth does not corrupt. And so I thank God that God has not deposited my inheritance in the nearest savings and loan. Thank God He didn't give it to me in a piece of realty that in 10 years, I don't know, but the price of that land will be going down. I won't even be able to get rid of it. But he has placed it in heaven. It's of a distinct quality from that which we know here on earth. It is that which he has given to me in eternal life.
Pastor Xavier Reese with a reminder of the eternal benefits of a treasure laid up in heaven versus the pending expiration of any earthly inheritance. Today's study is simply titled, Reasons for Praising God, and as always, we can provide a copy upon request. And by the way, there's much more to this study that our limited time on the air just doesn't allow us to present and is available on CD for just $4 to help cover the costs. The title to ask for once again is Reasons for Praising God. Request yours today by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please help us by including the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. And then we hope you'll be back for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, coming next time right here. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com